This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Forever. Dog. Hey, everybody. Thanks for coming back. This is another episode (laughs) of It's a Mess. Peppermint, I love it when you wear bands. I know I said oh, yesterday, yesterday that I loved it when you have like that. Was it magenta hair? No, it's not magenta. It's like a burgundy. My hair was my hair was burgundy yesterday. Yeah, which and looks sexy. Now it's yeah. Well, it frames I mean, you know the right way. But I like. Thank but you. I also like these bangs when you pull it back in a ponytail and you give me a little Betty Page. I really like that too. <laughs> well, thank you. I feel so pretty today, and you look very handsome as well. Thank very you. dapper. Your your hair's growing. Pretty long. This is more hair than I've ever had in my life, and it's on my fucking face. Every, I can't stop touching it. I'm always looking like I'm making some serious decision. But. It does. You're like, hmm. Isn't there an emoji with that, like, beer hand? There should be this emoji. I just I mean, think I know Pai the May. listeners can't Pai May. Kill Bill 2. Yes. Oh my god! So, but, but it's maybe, adorable. Maybe before oh. we go into anything, we should just let them know because, like, I've forgotten a couple the of times theme. that the theme for this week's show is. We always forget that is. We should tell them in the beginning so that it pulls them. Well, in. Well, this maybe. is still the beginning. Okay, this isn't is the beginning. It? So yeah, so I'm saying maybe consistently in the beginning, I'll I'll tell. So this the the theme of this week's show is drag problems too because we get so right, many we, the last questions <laughs> okay. from drag queens. Or comments or want to know what we think about people that watch Drag Race and drag queens having drag dramas and drag brunch dramas and all this type of shit. All so, kinds of stuff. I'm sure of a lot and of that. Something to do tells me that's probably going to be a consistent thing. Like mm-hmm. you said, it's it's either me being on the show or what on Drag Race. Um, and so, yeah, so we, we, we acknowledge and we honor and salute our drag aficionados whenever we can. Since we're on the topic of drag, and I know this happened a couple days ago, but I am not fucking with Wendy Williams anymore. She really, <laughs> she really just got on my last fucking nerve. I knew you were gonna say that. Oh I'm no! Just like, and her, yeah. fa- and her fake ass apology. I'm just not having it. Like, how could you? How, like, you are the platform you have right now has so much to do with the gay community. Like having your fucking back and listening to your show and watching your show. I and mean, you've been, I mean, I know you've been a part of like Wendy Williams history for a minute because you were on her VH1 show and you, which is separate from the when you were on WBLS, right? Because I remember listening to that when mm-hmm. you were on there with Charlemagne. And, mm-hmm. and I, I'm just, I'm really fucking fed up and I don't know how she could have. <laughs> Anywhere in her brain that is okay to pull that shit about, you know, sick and tired of gay men wearing women's clothes and what's going to be left for women. Oh, my God. Don't even get me started. I know this was a minute ago, but. <laughs> it was a week ago. It was only a week ago. And it's, it's like, it is what it is. It's still. I, the problem is, the reason why we're still able to talk about it is because the apology that she put out, which was quite quick. It was like literally the next day. Right. Um was I don't think was sufficient. And for everybody that anyone that doesn't know, Wendy Williams, the popular TV host and radio personality and legend, um, who is also legendary for being acting like and being a diva, definitely the kind of personality um that many uh gay folks and queer folks and people in the LGBT community, many of um, kind of just gravitate to that type of personality. True. Mostly because of the way she acts. She she definitely is good at taking at um at uphold I won't say taking, I'll say using the same sort of isms that that are popular in drag culture. True. Um because those, you know, people claim that drag queens created it, which can erase the contributions of black black women and black queer people mm. and who aren't drag queens. And and but it's impossible to not um, acknowledge the influence of drag culture. And so it's both. 
So she's a black woman. She gets to, you know, suck her teeth and have all the attitude she wants and in her in her in her stick. But the fact that she takes the how you doing? That is her. I remember her talking about right. like that was a thing that she was when that when was, it was code gay for, men. Yeah, that was code, that, that for, was gay code for gay men who were in the closet, not, who were out of, who were in the closet. And so that is a gay thing. Mm-hmm. And so you can't. That's become her, her her calling card. And so you're if you're someone whose literal calling card is on the backs of gay men, especially we can talk about. People who are closeted, who go through a lot of pain about their sexuality a lot of times, which is why they're still closeted Mm -hmm. because of the type of energy that people in the community, namely people like Wendy Williams, have put out for years Mm -hmm. about people being closeted and suddenly outing them Mm -hmm. for no reason. We can talk about that on another show. Specifically gay black men. Gay black man, yeah. hello. When she was we trying to call about out gay on rappers in the nineties, and she exactly. was calling like that was her thing. gay and puffy gay. That was that was. I mean, her thing was outing people. <sighs> that was her thing. So, so if you're gonna make, so you've been, she has been, she is the cat with nineteen lives has been forgiven so many times. Not this one by the queer community. Um, for the things she's done in the past. So if you're going to be the person who's a diva, who has all these isms, who has all the sass and attitude and wears the uh, Louboutins and the red bottoms and has the wigs and the weaves and really, really like... An entire gay glam squad. Entire gay... Uses the entire gay glam squad and your calling card is, how you doing? Which is based off a gay man. You cannot chastise the gay community or gay men or queer people in general anyone from the gay LGBT community for 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 living their truth and also wearing the clothes that they wear and being there to support. You cannot be How a cisgender her. woman How who can sit down in a chair, get your hair done by a gay man, get your makeup done by a gay man, mm-hmm. use a calling card of how you doing by a gay man, mm-hmm. and then turn around and, and also probably, not just Wendy, but m- many other cis women, rely on that gay best friend who you in quotation marks, who to get you through when your man doesn't do you right, uh, and and you, you rely on the the loving and the caringness of that gay person in your life as your best friend, as your confidant, the person who supports you, mm-hmm. n- let alone your hairdresser, your makeup artist, and all that stuff, mm-hmm. your publicist and your manager and everybody else that's around you, mm-hmm. your co-host Say on it. the air with his headphones on. on the mic. Come on. You cannot be that person nope. and then turn around and tell gay men that they are not invited to Galentine's Day. For those who don't know, Galentine's Day is basically when you have hang out with your girlfriends because you don't got a date. You cannot turn around and disinvite gay men from Galentine's exactly. Day when they've been supporting you about your, your asshole boyfriend and tell them not to wear pumps looking fierce doing it. You cannot do that. Done. All right. She's <laughs> the sorry. reason we have cancel culture right now because she's so canceled. She started it. <laughs> exactly. So anyway, enough, so about, that. enough about that troll. Enough about mm-hmm. that troll. Can we talk about somebody that's done wonderful things? Somebody who has been an influence in the queer community? I, I hear what's Can coming. Can we talk about that? I hear what's coming. It's time what is for it? Exemplary Queens. This is where we talk about some fabulous people in and out of the LGBTQIA community who are doing some great things. Yep. And this week's Exemplary Queen is none other than John Jean-Michael Basquiat. I wanted to say it with a little bit of a French accent. Uh, Jean-Michael Basquiat was an American neo-expressionism artist of Haitian and Puerto Rican descent. Uh, he first achieved fame as a part of the graffiti duo Samo during the late 1970s. Um... Initially, both the Museum of Modern Art and the Whitney Museum uh, of American Art rejected submissions of his work. And this was all through the 70s. Mm-hmm. But his talent threw him right into the limelight with other important artists like uh, Andy Warhol, Keith Haring, and Kenny Scharf. Remember the Kenny Scharf room at the tunnel? The furry room, mm-hmm. the fuzzy room? Of course. Uh, and by the 1980s, his neo-expressionist paintings were being exhibited in galleries and museums internationally. Um, by the way, at age 21, he became the very youngest artist to ever exhibit at Documenta in Kassel, Germany, when nearly 60, 60 of his paintings were featured at the esteemed exhibition. And that just kind of launched him into superstardom. Um, one thing that he 
a quote that he's always said about himself was that I'm not a real person. I am a legend. Love that. True words have never been spoken about Jean-Michael Basquiat, this week's exemplary queen. I, I dated a guy that gave me his children's book before, which was amazing. I got to pull that out. And also, like, I just looked him up on Google. And in 2017, he broke a record for the highest paid artist. I mean, obviously, he's passed since then. But he's a mind-blowing $110.5 million at an auction. For a, At an auction and, for his work. Oh, my gosh. He smashes the record at $110.5 million sale in the Financial Times. Fucking sickening. You better work. So for those of you that don't know much about Basquiat but want to, because there's not that much information, especially in his private life. We don't really know much about, like, his personal life, Besides his private life. Madonna. Exactly. Um, but you should double, um, you should look up the movie and watch the movie Basquiat starring Jeffrey Wright. It came out in 1996. That was my very first introduction to, to Jean-Michael Basquiat mm-hmm. and it's some good stuff. So, so yeah, so check that He's out. He's also in a movie. movie called Downtown 81 that all the footage was shot in 1981 and Debbie Harry's in the movie. And a lot of the movie takes place in the Lower East Side around Avenue D and C where I used to live, like right on the block. I lived on uh fifth street between c and d for about half a year when i lived in new york mm-hmm. so do you know he's in the out. he's in the rapture video the music video <clears throat> I for didn't rapture. Know that. yeah <laughs> hmm. so there's lots of rich stuff to go on anyway yeah, and, so yeah, that's, and and it's oh. uh it's february which means that we it's black history month black and we history haven't month. really acknowledged this but it's important to acknowledge obviously it's important to acknowledge black history month but we i intentionally chose exemplary queens of color for Black History Month. So mm-hmm. we have folks uh, who are both movers and shakers in the LGBTQ plus community who are also people of color, black folks who are doing great things. So queer blackness is what we're celebrating this month. That's right. But we're going to continue to do that every month. That's right. So, <laughs> so like we were saying before, uh, I uh, dug through the emails that came in that were specifically uh, either from drag queens, about drag, be- this is this is by far, besides love and revenge, <laughs> this is by far the emails that we get from people uh, So are about something that has to do with drag. So I chose these three letters for this show. That uh, do, you want me to start right now, Pap? Are you ready for me? I'm ready for you, baby. All right. So cue the music. Hey, guys. I'm a huge fan of your podcast. I love you both so much. Peppermint, I really hope I see you on All Star sometime. Okay, here's my issue. <laughs> I am a black queen living in Portland, Oregon area. There's There Ooh. are a couple parties that I've been able to jump on stage and go off. She spells A-W-W-W-F-F-F. But, <laughs> but finding some kind of weekly residency at a club here isn't the easiest thing to do unless you can get in on the drag brunches. There is a very popular drag brunch here. I heard from one person that they were looking for some new talent and I applied. I emailed, DM'd, and hit up everybody that was connected to hiring for the brunch and they all told me they weren't looking for anybody but I knew that wasn't true. When I looked closer to the roster, I noticed that they were all white queens. All of them. I went way back in the history of the brunches on their Instagram and found one black girl that used to work there. When I hit her up and asked her about it, she says that it wasn't the best experience, but it was okay. She also said, exactly. She also said once they hired her, they apparently hit their quota for black girls and haven't hired another one since. Why do you think there is such an unequal distribution of blackness in drag? I'm even disappointed by the most recent cast of Drag Race season 12. There are even fewer black girls in the last season. RuPaul seemed to have set the precedence for diversity in drag, but she's not but if she's not going to set a good example, how do we expect local gay bars and clubs to do so? I'm sick of clubs catering to the white gay man and white money. Peppermint. I suppose this question question is more for you how do we change things and have you had an experience not getting work due to your blackness signed lady bunny bacardi (laughs) for a minute i was like oh my god did lady bunny really write into our show oh bacardi lady bunny bacardi um wow this is a um 
this is a this is a this is an issue for real. Definitely a hot um, topic. And it really is a hot topic. It is an issue for real. That goes um there's a lot of plates real complicated. But Lady Bunny, look, I mean, number one, I definitely think I'm I commend you for trying to I think it's important that we try to get out there because that's some of the advice that I get most of the time or at questions for advice that I get a lot of time is you probably get this too, is how do you break into the business, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And the best way that I would say is getting into nightlife is going to a lot of those drag competitions and drag, like just being seen as much as possible. The drag competitions, the drag brunches, all these different things. That's usually what comes before sort of getting your own show. But the question is obviously, how do you do that? If you're living in a town that's, um, that you're experiencing some sort of racial tension. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think it's no, it's important to note that like, Portland is one of those strange places that I've experienced, which is why, clearly why they have a show about it, Portlandia, which I hear just came back for another season. Um, It's really, like, it's it's so, it works so hard to show that it, as Portland, is apparently um, so woke. It, like, works really hard. Those who are there who are woke have to work really hard on their wokeness. Like, it's really hyper-aware of that. But I don't think they are as aware of some of the blatant racism that's there. I've heard so many stories from people of color who've moved out of there, like, on the first flight back. Didn't it used to be all saying, white? Am I, am I, didn't it used to be one of the first all white? I mean, uh, after they got rid of... <laughs> at some point, all of the legal citizens were probably white. But that doesn't really speak to the indigenous people who were marginalized and exactly. killed. Or the black people who were slaves at one point. Exactly. But... <laughs> The um so yeah there, it's got a, it's got a more racist history than I know about and would care to acknowledge okay. but or, or or care to to know much about but but so does the whole country right and <laughs> so Portland you're out of luck living in Portland I guess I'm trying to move out of there that's number one number two um yes I've definitely experienced that and I live in New York City and even in the New York City club scene there were <clears throat> moments where I had to sort of choose between what I was going to going to work in a place that was I was the only black person and there might not even be any black literally any other I might be the only black person in the room mm-hmm. let alone people who work there having to choose between that or working somewhere in my area which at the time those jobs just didn't have some of the appeal that working at um, an, another club would have mm-hmm. like you know um, some of the clubs that happen to be in different parts of town or different neighborhoods like a black neighborhood or something like that um, or or black owned or catered to the black community so, a lot of times we're not given the same type of opportunities and so they couldn't necessarily treat their queens the same way that some of the other clubs were treating the queens mm-hmm. I wanted to be at a club that could that was a- willing and able to put an advertisement on on the front of the queer magazine in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to go work at a place where nobody knew where it was. Mm-hmm. I wanted to work at a place that could pay me, you know, at the time, what, three, $400 in one night rather than $100 where I'd have to work four nights. Right. And so these are the things that I was really important to me. And a lot of times those things happen to be the clubs that were either in Chelsea and Hell's Kitchen. And those are areas that are considered more affluent, having more money, and they are they're more white. Um, and when you go and work in those places, a lot of times you end up getting, it's a white owner and a white clientele. And that's, unfortunately, there was a moment in time, because I'm a little older than you, darling, where gay white men didn't necessarily think that there were, that they had a problem with racism because they are also minorities. Mm -hmm. And so being gay and white, being gay was enough to be in the minority tab. And so they thought that just having one black person as the cleaning lady or one black person in the front was all you needed and acknowledging black culture in any other way just wasn't important and actually working to keep it out, saying that we couldn't have rap music playing, saying Mm -hmm. that we couldn't have, you know, certain types of performers come to do the show, you know, is what you're talking about, Lady Bunny. I've definitely dealt with it. And the only way to get around it is to have your own thing that you make desirable. And it's really tough to do. You have to find somebody to give you a chance to do it. Well, 
I want to ask you a question about that and get, but, but before we do, I just want to say it's like, I, I've definitely seen that and seen a struggle for a change just as far as like where the white money goes in gay culture. Let's say, let's say circuit parties mm-hmm. for one. If you go there, if you just see a picture mm-hmm. of a circuit party, it's a sea of like 95% white people in this shit with their shirts <laughs> off. And so when they shoot advertisements for this and when there's this like they almost always just have like white models. So they usually like like they Maybe don't be one. Yeah. But but they don't have like like so for instance, like if they back in the day when, you know, HX and Next would be pushing the circuit party that came to town and the circuit party that everyone must go to, it would always be like a white guy chiseled steroided up shirtless in a speedo on the cover of the magazine or that's what the advertisements were and they wouldn't they wouldn't use a black model or a person of color to push these circuit parties because then they would think it would look like a black party or that this was just for Mm -hmm. black people do you know what i mean so there was always a separation and a divide in gay culture like in the in this where the money comes from that's where it seems to go and i honestly think like if you're stuck in a place that aren't that don't have enough opportunities for people of color especially like a drag queens of color or gay men mm-hmm. of color then i think you should consider moving because if this is what you want to do and this mm-hmm. is where you want to this is where you want to take your this is where you, where you want to take your your passion and your artistry then you might want to consider moving to someplace else but also you know peppermint you were just getting into this and i, I would really like you to expand on this because i'm really excited about this is like you can create mm-hmm. your own space and invite people to come to you which is a you know something that i learned in mm-hmm. my 20s especially with music and sound but i know that as far as drag you're taking this with nubia and i want you to talk about this because i am so psyched for this I, and I can't wait till it comes to LA. So can you talk about this? Yeah. Well, thank you so much for bringing it up, Caswell. <laughs> now you're gonna talk about it. I might I as well mention it. I am so. Nubia ready. is a as a show, a brand new show that will be a tour um, of Black excellence, Black queens, all of right now, all of from RuPaul's Drag Race, um, putting on a a show, a fabulous show. That is full. That has dancers and production and costumes and the whole nine yards. Just as exciting as any other drag show that you could go see in person in concert. Um, and so we're doing. So we're doing that. It's great to be a part of a whole cast of queens who is um, really talented and finally has the the chance to do their thing. And we can. You can see from the cast that we're all different. We all have different styles. We're not all like, you know, a lot of times the, the problem is when you're the only black queen, then you have the pressure of filling that the black girl model, right. which is just right. like the I'm the sassy one who's going to snap my fingers and that's it. And you can't be the black girl who's into heavy metal. Mm-hmm. You can't be the black girl that's that, you know, um, is like the fashion designer. You have to be the black girl that's like just, you know, just giving attitude. And that's all she represents. And so the cool thing is we have all these different, we couldn't be more different. All these chicks, all the, I don't, I'm gotta eliminate the word chicks from my vocabulary. We're all so different. But the best part about Nubia is it is self produced. That's right. We are the directors, we are the writers, we are the content creators, we are the promoters, we are the booking agents, we are the ones who are putting this together. We have it. That's sick. We have some, that's so sick. We have some help. I'm so proud of you. We do have some help. Thank you. We do have some help, and I don't want to discount that. We have some great people who are helping us um, with the numbers <laughs> and with some stuff. You know, we're using people's experience, and, and we have some great choreographers and some other people. But we are the people in charge. The queens right. are the ones in charge. And so it feels really good to do that because – and at first I was like, I don't know if this is gonna, ever going to work because there's not a lot of – group tours that have that of course there's girls that are doing their own thing doing their own shows but this show is us it's a byproduct of us feeling the same way that you felt lady bunny mm-hmm. i mean we don't have the opportunities and we were on tv and there's still shows like these popular tours Isn't i won't wild? say any of them my name there's still shows that are just like we only want the most popular white queens and one sassy black queen that's it. And so nine white queens and one black queen. Mm-hmm. So the ratio is that you are going to work. You have, if you're white, you have nine times more likely to work than a black queen, just in that example. Mm-hmm. And that is tough to pay your bills. <laughs> 
so yeah, so that so we got Nubia. So go go to Nubia Tour. Um, uh, you can Google Nubia Tour. Mm-hmm. You can go to any of my social media. I'm constantly talking about it. Um, the pictures we I feel so so sickening and so pretty in the pictures. And get some tickets because the show is on March, which is I guess coming up in like a couple weeks. Um, the show is on March 5th and 6th in New York, and then we're bringing it to Los Angeles. Um, eventually DC, other in other cities we're going. I to. cannot wait. I cannot not wait. I can. I'm so excited for you, Peppermint. I think that this. I think that Nubia is something. I mean, I know it hasn't started yet, but I really see this as something that lasts forever. And it's really like, <clears throat> you know, taking up a spot that is so needed in drag. And I'm really excited about that. So, yeah. like, I'm just gonna finish it off and say, <clears throat> excuse me, I got snit in my throat. But Lady Bunny, like, I think that what if what you should do for now is if you can reach out to the other, like, I know that you said there was another black queen from Portland that you reached out that she said that she did this black, um, that I'm <laughs> not that she did this brunch and reach out to the other woman, maybe start a night with, I mean, without a doubt, some of the best entertainment in drag is coming from the black queen. So you guys coming together as a force to be reckoned with, with is amazing. And I think that you could do this as, as well, Lady Bunny. And if you and if you decide to move, which I might just recommend if you're having this problem that you can't seem to, uh, that you can't seem to get over there, that I think that you might want to consider moving to another city where black queens are more welcome. Or, at the, or you know, take advantage of the fact that there there is no party happening right now or brunch that's all black queens. And maybe <clears throat> make a black drag queen brunch and call it your own name or, yeah. or whatever you call it. You know what I mean? Like, so, you know, turn this into There's a, certainly soul, food, soul, food, soul food brunch and have like soul food and black drag queens and whatever, just like we do with jazz brunch and things like that. But they like, could bring it back and... So turn into your own thing and t- call it white girls part. brunch, but only be black. <laughs> <laughs> white brunch Sundays. <clears throat> That's right. With all the black girls. <laughs> all right. So let's go into question number two. Hope we answer that. I hope so too, Lady Bunny. All right. Okay. Question number two. Cue music. Hey guys, I love your show and I'm a big fan of both of you. I had no idea you guys were best friends, but after listening to your podcast a couple of months, it totally makes sense that you are. I'm a 23-year-old, straight, cisgender, black female. I am a bio queen. I love doing drag. I'm a theater queen as well. I went to high school for theater. I went to college for theater, and I love performing in drag and putting on amazing shows. I, <laughs> I feel like it's harder than ever to get gigs, even at local bars and clubs. It seems like RuPaul's Drag Race has set the precedent that bio queens aren't exactly welcome when it comes to drag and drag competitions. I hope things are changing. When I talk to my gay friends about there not being any bio queens on RuPaul's Drag Race, half of them side with me, and the other half, you know, with what appears to be RuPaul's point of view, which we don't really know (laughs) about RuPaul. Uh, What is your point of view? Do you think there's space for bio queens in drag and maybe even someday on Drag Race? I would love to know your thoughts. Signed, Jansport Pina Colada. Well, mm. Jansport. I love that drag name, Jansport. And that's one of my favorite um, drinks. A, a, a virgin Pina Colada. It's funny how me and you, <laughs> neither one of us drank, <laughs> but we both have. We come up with an alcoholic drink and we're just like, okay, let me think of something really good. <laughs> we know a lot because we both bartended. <laughs> don't you don't you think it's interesting that like you know drag has been part of our lives and just part of our culture that we've experienced for over the past twenty years, but now it seems that you know RuPaul's Drag Race is setting the precedent for things like besides you know race and drag and and you know people of color being welcomed to drag, but also like bio queens being welcomed to drag. Like like thank God for Dragula. You know, mm-hmm. especially with season three that we see like bio, bio queen nope. and no, sp- no spoilers, but land insider. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's a spoiler. <laughs> I guess so. If you have, but get on your shit. If you don't know, congratulations, land insider. But don't you think it's like kind of crazy that like, it seems like, you know, that the clubs and the, and you know, booking agents are kind of taking the cue from Drag Race as far as like putting together the shows and like bio queen stuff like that. So, it, it, I don't know. I I want you to go off on that, Pep, because I know that you've had more experience with that, especially like your it, opinion with. Do you think? Okay, do you think that? Let's just keep it on Drag Race for a second. Do you think that if a bio queen was on, you know, season thirteen 
of Drag Race that that would fuck up the chemistry as far as the gay men in the workroom? Because that seems to be where... Well, I don't know. I think it really de- depends on the gay men in the room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, what their opinion is of having a, a, a person who's um, assigned female at birth or designated female at birth. Like, you know, I'm, I'm a little clinical. I say AFAB queen or just drag queen um, or a drag queen who's a cis person. Um I like AFAB because that's like fabulous. Yeah, because that's not fabulous. Um, I don't know, you know, like, and and this person is, um, Jansport is a, Jansport Pina Colada, the person on here, is a self-described bio queen. So we'll go with that as a word. Um, yeah. And so since she's calling herself a bio queen, that's cool. Um, I think having women do drag is, it's just, I mean, it's just, again, it's honestly, it goes back to me with the whole, um, Wendy Williams thing we were talking about earlier, where I just don't think it's really like possible these days to separate as much as we want to try to separate. Like it's it's our the 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 job the tough job is to distinguish ourselves without separating ourselves, and that's just like the tough thing to do. How do I stand out as special without isolating myself? How do I let people know that they belong, that we want to be equal as them, we they belong with us, without mm-hmm. isolating and pushing them away? And so I think you know. There are people who are sort of separationists and think that women have no place in gay bars at all and that they just belong to gay men. But that's Mm -hmm. really, I just think that's a backwards way of thinking. And and if if you are only isolating yourself to a gay bar, then that kind of means that you don't have the ability to go to straight bars. And like not not many people want to go, but I can guarantee you how many gays would be marching up and down the street if they were shut out of a gay, a straight bar because they were gay. And, and so I think we just have to have equality both ways. And that being said, you know, there's a lot of women who I would not want them, a lot of women who get up and put on a dress and, you know, just because you wear a dress doesn't make you fabulous enough to be a queen. But I would say the exact same thing. I would say that probably more likely about a lot of gay men who throw on a dress and think that there's some fabulous queen and you are not. In my opinion, it's important to, if you're talking about being a queen as a being a drag entertainer as a career then i think that that takes work and i think anyone who's willing to do the work can do it and if if you if you're willing to do the work and you got that talent just let me see it baby i don't care if you're gay straight male female or non-binary let's see what you got some of the most memorable drag acts I've seen have been from in your queens. life. In my Talk life, about what, it. especially Talk about like it. at San Francisco, which is one of the reasons I love San Francisco so much, seems to like have no problem spreading out and and inviting, you know, drag queen, drag kings, and bio queens to the acts. Like Hecklina has been amazing doing this. You know, she started with mm-hmm. uh, Tranny Shack. She changed the name to Mother. I actually don't. I I actually think it's either going to somebody else who's not happening anymore. I know that. Um, that um, recently uh, Hecklina has stopped being part of the Oasis Club herself. At least that's what I heard. Like, don't don't quote me on that, mm-hmm. but I'm pretty damn sure that that's what happened. But like, I remember when she was doing Tranny Shack, like probably like a solid seven or eight years ago. I went to I went to a performance. I think I was performing there actually as a invited guest but there was a, a bio queen and i don't remember her name and i was just googling it and i can't find it i i, I saw her in san francisco i saw her in la a couple years ago at a show but she did the the oshanti by madonna and she is a yoga teacher she was doing all crazy yoga she put the space in her teeth and like chewing gum at the same time it was like so amazing <laughs> like some of the, and some of the best some of the best acts at like season three of dragula i was just talking about was some so amazing so and i don't want to discount what bio queens do at the same time i do try to understand where RuPaul seems to be coming from because I think RuPaul RuPaul comes from a place where there were no gay people on TV. I mean, she's I think she's 60 years old right now. Well, there, were out, there were no out gay people. Right, exactly. There were no out gay men on TV. So I think that she's already, you know, setting the stage and creating something new based on a television show that revolves mm-hmm. around gay men and gay men's issues. And, you know, having, you know, however many when the season starts, 12 gay men in the workroom fighting and arguing, going back and telling their backstory. So I feel like she's already like she already feels that she's filling a void having a show mm-hmm. that revolves around gay men that then when we go 
when we go into the other people that practice drag and experience drag and have been inspired by drag and now do drag like bio queens and drag kings um that I, I i feel that she thinks she's she might be switching up the chemistry too much when it comes to uh-huh. the workroom uh-huh. or as far uh-huh. as like as far as what gay men have to go through to transform them, themselves to appear female uh-huh. compared to how a bio queen would have to so i'm assuming that this is where RuPaul comes from. I can kind of see both sides of the coin, but it would be nice if there were more people invited, especially as drag grows, which we can see just from like, you know, going to DragCon and uh-huh. DragCon UK and um all the all these other expos that are happening. So I don't know. I, I would really like to see more, but I'm grateful for what we have right now with Dragula and I hope that more comes up. And I think that didn't didn't um didn't Willem and I know Alaska put together? Maybe I don't remember, but I know that Alaska had a lot to do with a, a new a drag, a drag contest queen, that happened. Drag queen of the year. Yeah, it was Pageant. a drag queen of the year, and a bio, I think a bio queen won. It was part two. Um, I think so, and and I just I want to point out, just discuss why, like the okay, so bio queen means a a a, a person who's a woman who's a drag queen who's not a gay person who's not a gay man who is assigned female at birth and so that since these are women who are doing drag people are calling them bio queens because they're not trans women they're real women doing drag and that's i think that's what the a real a biological meaning real versus not real woman and so that's why i have a little bit of an issue with the word bio queen because right. it says that the woman is a biological woman which means any other woman who does drag like a trans woman is not a biological woman, and I, that's a little that's a different conversation. But so that's okay. why I don't use the word. That's why I personally don't use the word bio queen because um, I'm a woman who does drag too, um, and so I'm not a gay man. If it's if you're only in if there's two if there's only two categories that people are acknowledging men who do drag and women who do drag, then I'm in the category of women who do drag, and right. so I don't want people to and I'm. I'm as biological a human being as there could be. And so, you know, I, I, it, it kind of doesn't leave space for the trans women who do drag. And trans is That's not necessarily, like, we are women. We're not just neither men or neither women. If we, if we express ourselves as women, there are certainly non-binary people who do, who do drag as well, whether it's male, like con- traditionally male or female drag or femme or mask drag. Um, but I, it's just an, it's, it's important thing to talk about. And it's, it's tough to kind of acknowledge that in a little show like RuPaul's Drag Race. And by little, I mean like 40 minutes. There's so much that they're trying to cram in. Believe me, we had so much footage that we shot and our, our episode was fit into an hour, which meant only 40 minutes with commercials. And there wasn't enough to talk about race. There wasn't enough to talk as much to talk about, um, gender as much as we would have wanted to. There wasn't enough to talk about the different types of drag. It was just like, get the challenge and go. In our 40-minute episodes, we were cutting out. We didn't have many challenges in our season, season nine, because there wasn't enough time. Um, now that the episodes are an hour and a half long, they do have more time to do that. And so I think that's part of it. That's kind of a technical reason for it. I mean, I already answered, but I just was kind of wanted to okay. acknowledge part of that. I think. I don't even remember. What, <laughs> oh, did I, <laughs> did I answer yet? The point is, I, let me just make a point, is that... I do think that AFAB queens deserve to be on the show just as much. I don't think it needs to be half and half or we need to set a quota. But I do think, do I think that the show, that any show would benefit more from having diversity? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think some of the diversity that exists within the art form and the profession and the and the, and the wonderment of drag is AFAB queens, trans people, drag kings, like you said. Um, and I agree with you that like, Rue and whoever's in charge is not clearly that's not what they've been striving to do is right. uphold the diversity and I do think that we don't want to erase sort of the the peace or the plight of gay men <clears throat> who've been contributed to drag but if you're going to have a, a national show that's a hit obviously people are going to be inspired by it and they're going to want to participate and when you have something that goes mainstream you have to let the mainstream in yeah I think I agree. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I, I would love to see. Yeah, I would why love not? To see more. I would love to see more trans women on Drag Race. Trans men even on Drag Race. Mm-hmm. I would love to see drag kings. I would love to see 
AFAB queens. Like, I'm all about it. Even if they have to, like, integrate it slowly and dip their toe in the water, then fine. I totally get it. It's on VH1. They got to do what they got to do. But I, I would love to see that personally. I mean, I can, I'm trying to understand, like, both sides of the coin, but I would love to see it. And that's how You I'm said right. it, and I and I can totally agree with you that some of the most uh, transformative, excuse the pun, performances have been from a memorable performances have been from queens who are afab and so i think that's you know let's let's roll with it you know let's do it all right let's go on to the next question sounds good cue music hey peppermint hey caswell i am a gay black man living in new orleans i do drag i'm exceptional with makeup I make wigs and sell them in my spare time, so trust and believe I know what the fuck I'm doing when it comes to hair. I give body adi adi and have a juicy enough ass that I usually don't use padding. Here Ooh. is my downside. <laughs> my left hand is not fully formed. I was born with symbrachydactyly, a rare congenital disease that affects 1 in 32,000 births. I have become an extreme introvert and a pro at hiding my hand by doing a variety of maneuvers. There are some people who have known me for a couple of years that still haven't noticed. Due to my left hand, I spend a lot of time alone for fear of being made fun of. I make all my wigs alone and perfect my makeup skills in my room at night. I do all of my drag alone in the mirror. I have posted some of my drag looks up on YouTube and Instagram, but it's always while hiding my abnormal hand. I dream of being able to go on stage and perform and even getting on RuPaul's Drag Race, but I've been letting my insecurities get the best of me. Do you have any advice that would help me out? And, let, and and how I would put one foot in front of the other so I can make my dreams come true. Love, Chi Chi Devane, Vodka, Lemonade. Ow. I don't know why I said that. But. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know either. Because um, we love Chi Chi. Okay. We love Chi Chi. That's pretty much it. I love her so much. Um, Wow. Okay. Well, this is, I mean, you know, this is probably, I don't really actually have, I don't know if I have the best advice in this because I don't have much experience with this other than my cut. I have a cousin who was born with Symbrachidactyly and her, I think it was her left hand was also um, not fully formed. And it was very ex- extremely small to the point of, I don't even think she, she was able to fully to actually use it. And so she had prosthetics. Um, shout out to Mariah. And um, gorgeous girl, so sweet and and excellent, super talented. Um, and so, yeah, I don't really have that much experience with it, but I do think that I know how like think certain things about our own body image can get in the way. Um, the only sort of thing that I have that might come doesn't come close to this, but something that I've used when parts of my body image or my body overall has come in. There's things that I obsess on today. Um, some of them are like weight related. Um, there's things that there's body image issues that I have being a trans woman that have definitely come into play in or out of drag. And I, I've had lots of times where I was afraid that people were going to persecute me, laugh me out of the room, not welcome me, think that I wasn't worthy enough um, in different situations because of what I thought about myself and my body. And there was times when it was like overwhelming. There was, there was a moment in time when I was probably a good, like two weeks, which doesn't sound that long, but um, about two weeks where I just early in my transition where I did not leave the house one time because Mm -hmm. I was afraid that people were going to laugh at me and, and kind of know that I'm an imposter, call me an imposter. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's what I was dealing with, but it was r- related to just feeling insecure, insecure about myself. And so obviously, you know, what's changed? And now I go out, I go out and ask all the time and I have, I think I have confidence. Like I said, there's still some things I struggle with, but the, the biggest thing that's changed is just how I feel about myself and what I think about myself and that who I am, the type of performer I am, the level of talent that I have the 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 abilities that I have and the type of person that I am, these things don't change 
at any point based on what someone else thinks about me. They might think great things or think bad things, and that may affect other opportunities or how I interact with them, but it doesn't change me. And and I, I know that it sounds like you are really confident in your abilities, mm-hmm. um, but the I think in terms of your hand, I don't know, and this is totally up to you. You can go down the road of like working hard to hide it so that no one notices, or you could figure out a way to use it. Um, and I honestly do think as long as you're okay with whatever choice you make, and if you d- decided one of those choices, as long as you're okay with and loving and supporting and unapologetic about whichever those choices you make, I can, I really do believe that the audience and everyone working and all the people at that drag club will feel the same way. Chi Chi, I think you should embrace it. I think you should change your name to Lefty Louisiana. I think you should make it like, <laughs> I think you should bring attention to it. I think you should make it part of your act. I think that, I think that, that this is something that would help so many people, especially seeing you have the courage to mm-hmm. embrace this. First of all, yes, you definitely need to get out of the house. You definitely need to get some experience on stage. Not that you have to be a great stage performer to get on RuPaul's Drag Race. Let's get that out of the way. How dare you? First of all, <laughs> I mean, you could just start, keep doing your YouTube videos. You could just keep doing your there YouTube videos and just get on RuPaul's Drag Race that way. Like if you want to handle it that way mm-hmm. first and then put one foot in front of the other and get to your <laughs> local bar or where they have a drag show or do that. But, you know, get you're going to if you were to get on Drag Race, which seems to be your ultimate goal, you are going to have to know how to perform a little bit on stage, especially if you have to lip sync for your life. If you do that in your mirror, that's fine, whatever you're comfortable with. But I think that, you know, you should you could really pull inspiration from um trans model um aaron phillip who is in a wheelchair and making a name for herself as a model Mm -hmm. um and there's also been a lot of people on other people on reality tv shows that have gone far and you know like okay so uh, like justin leblanc who is deaf and on project runway there was a lot of controversy when he got kicked off the show and then um and then Tim Gunn brought him back, and a lot of people thought it was because he was deaf. Whatever the reason was, I wasn't watching the show at the time. This this goes for a brilliant backstory and a brilliant thing for for you to overcome. That you know you're not alone, and there's other people in the world dealing with um, abnormalities, and I might even have be in the exact same situation as you. So I definitely think. You should change your name to Lefty or bring attention to it in some way, shape, or form. I'm trying to be a little funny about it, but I, I, I truly mean what I say. When the make this, make this part of your act and bring attention to your hand. Now, I, I know I'm asking a lot, but it's one of those things that once you jump off the cliff, just go all the way with it and just do it and embrace it because. There's no way you're going to go far as any type of artist when you are hiding something. And because people can mm-hmm. pick up on that. Well, even if even if you go like 20 years and they never notice your your left hand, people can pick up on it just because of your energy when you're on stage and what you're putting out there. And, you know, you know, you mm-hmm. want to be doing makeup tutorials only showing your right hand. I mean, that doesn't that that doesn't make any kind of sense. And I think that you should just bring attention to it and you should talk about it and people for the most i mean will there always be some haters yes no matter what but people for Uh the most part uh will truly admire your courage and i i would truly admire your courage and if you had if you had a if you did a makeup tutorials on youtube and you brought attention to your hand and you talked about your hand i'd probably follow you subscribe and bang that bell and that's the truth. So I, I, I'm going to say that you should em- embrace this. I'm not saying it would be the easiest thing in the world to do, but you should embrace it and you should bring attention to it yourself so that you are in control of how, it, how, uh, of how it's narrated. What do you think, Pat? I agree. Yeah, I mean, I think it sounds like we're both saying the same thing. Yeah. And I think one of the things that neither one of us said um, which could hopefully be true, is you also will really be, you really will be showing, you'll be doing a double service. When folks that are trailblazers end up not only um, inspiring other people to um, follow in their footsteps, people who are like them, but then also you'll be showing other people that it does work, that we can have, yep. like, yes, you can hire this type of queen. Yes, you can come and, and enjoy this a show by somebody who's disabled, who doesn't have, you know, whose hand is a different size or whatever. 
Um, you know, the issue is. And and so I think, and, and you can show them that there is comfort in maybe even laughing at that type of performance or be, you know, like it shows them what the boundaries are about having a relationship with that, with that person, that entertainer who's disabled, who's got, you know, something that's different about them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. I think that you should bring attention and even make it part of your act. So something I thought of this, which is completely different, is uh, world famous Bob, who I consider to be an AFAB queen. And she was, you know, doing mm-hmm. drag when I first moved to New York City in the early 2000s. I remember she had this act that she kind of just like sat on stage and just continuously ate. It was either cupcakes or cake or something like that. It was basically, you know, th- this type of basic type of art installation that she was doing. Uh, regarding her weight, that's what I picked. That's what I picked from her performance art. Yeah, so I figure like that if you if you did some type of performance art, and I'm not telling you what to do. Of course, it's just an idea, and take it where you want from it. In which you're on stage lip syncing while you're painting the nails on your left hand, like that type of that type of thing could speak volumes for for people with abnormalities or, you know, people, I don't want to call it a disfigurement, but with people that were born with what you were born with, you know? So I think that, I think that you have the opportunity to create something really powerful. And I think that you should really consider that. And that's how I'm going to wrap up my answer. I completely agree. Okay. So (laughs) this has been an interesting show. I'm really, I'm really happy with, with these questions and how we kind of different problems and drag that people in, don't talk about good job combing through our internet or through our internet through our, our email, email as well. It's a job, <laughs> trust me. So uh, before we go, I just want to make sure that I give a special invitation to everyone. Uh, please come out and see Nubia fifth and sixth of March in Brooklyn, New York at Roulette. Uh, you can go to there's lots of places you got to get tickets from, but if you go to nubia.ticketleap.com, you can get those tickets for yourself. And behold, I'm performing my brand new single. I can't wait. Um, what You're Looking For, which I just premiered uh, last week. And it's fresh out now. It's streaming everywhere you can stream music or purchase music. You can get it. Um, and check out my lyric video. I'm not sure if I'm going to do an actual music video yet, but um, double check for that. So you and, and please give it a like and share the song if you do like it. And that'll let me know you want me to do a music video. Um, and so, yeah. So thanks for listening to the show, folks. Uh, this is, it's been a great day. Thanks for listening. It is, as usual, faces, places, and names have been changed to protect the innocent and, and the guilty. And Caswell, could you tell everyone where they can find out about us? Oh, yes, of course I can. <laughs> you can find out about us on Instagram at <laughs> It's a Mess uh, Podcast, also at It's a Mess podcast on twitter and you can hit us up the easiest way is through email if you hit us up with askkazandpep at gmail.com please give us details 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 let us know as much about you as possible Mm -hmm. it makes us easier to edit the question and answer your questions and if you have any doubts about what exactly we want to know we have saved in our instagram stories a little form that you can fill out just to answer like the very basic questions. Make sure we know exactly all the facts because we don't want anything left out. That's right. When we tell everybody your business on the radio. That's right. <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening to It's a Mess Podcast. Love you. Bye. Bye. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcast.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook. Pew, pew, pew.